Hallelujah. This is Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to kind of talk about the whole week. And what I mean is Resurrection Week. And as I understand it, what we call Palm Sunday, normally, that's the day when everybody loved Jesus. And He was coming into town. And they were cutting the palm branches and putting them in front of the donkey. And Hosanna, Hosanna. And boy, they loved Him to pieces, you know, on that Sunday. Five days later. Five days later. Crucify Him. He had me watch last night. I hadn't watched it in years. The Passion of the Christ again. Started it last night and finished it this morning. Probably the best that's ever been done visually by anybody portraying it. But the Lord kept showing me all the way through, as brutal as that is, it doesn't come close. Because Isaiah says, his, his visage, his countenance, what you saw on that cross, was marred more than any man. To the point, you would have a hard time knowing if that's a man hanging there or not. What love. The night before with his disciples, greater love hath no man but to lay down his life for his friends. Palm Sunday, everybody loved him. Five days later, crucify him. Leading up to that instruction, all I could hear all week, I knew I had the 10 o'clock service today. And I said, Lord, I do, what? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? What I kept hearing all week in preparation was what Jesus said in John 13, verses 14 and 15. So we normally, we just go directly to John 3.16 and thank God for John 3.16. But these are the two verses right before it. And he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Well, he said, as Moses lifted up, lifted up the serpent. So I've got that on here too. It's, if you want to look that up later, it's Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9. And what was going on, the people had sinned. So these fiery serpents were there, and boy, they were deadly. If you got bit by one of them, you died. But you didn't die instantly. And that's the way sin is. It's a type of sin. It kills you, but it kills you slowly. Well, spiritually, Adam and Eve died the instant that they ate the fruit, but it took 900 years for their bodies to die. It doesn't take that long now, have you noticed? But Numbers 21, 8, and 9. So this is when, I don't know about you, sin sure bit me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten, can I ask for a show of hands? Who's been bitten by sin? I mean in the past. I know you're saved now. I know. 
We're all born that way, really. Adam got bit and we all carried the poison. So Moses made a serpent of brass. He made it out of brass, a serpent. And he put it upon a pole. Now listen to this part, listen. And it came to pass that if a certain... And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man... Now notice. When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All he had to do was look. You have to see the serpent on the pole. You have to see Christ on the cross. You have to see the price that was paid. And you have to see the love that laid down his life for you. Or you can't be healed. You can't be saved. In the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent. And for years I had the same question that I heard other preachers ask. I, I couldn't understand why he, why God didn't tell Moses to put a brazen lamb on that pole. Why don't you put a lamb on there? God could have done that, couldn't he? That's not the lesson. See, that's, that's modern Christianity, the way we normally preach it. Now, don't get me wrong. He is the Lamb of God sent to take the sin of the world. But how did he do it? All right, now, 2 Corinthians. I'm really asking you to look this one up. 2 Corinthians 5.21. While you're turning there, we'll talk about presence. I was remembering back when you've heard my story about how God sent Michael Muccio, this little guy, I like to say across enemy lines over into the business world, come after us. Because I already made up my mind I was never going to darken a church door again, and God knew I'm in it. But God loved me too much to go through eternity without me. Boy, he had every right to. I knew him as a little boy and I'd walked far, far away. Anyway, can't pray. That's not the message. But he sent this Michael Muccio. And uh, Michael didn't come in quoting, spouting verses. He really came in trying to get me to hire him to teach the Richer Life Course by Zig Ziglar to our agents. He didn't say anything about Jesus that I remember in that first encounter. He would just, and he showed me his credentials, and he was sure enough, he'd been trained and qualified. And we negotiated an amount, and I hired him to preach prosperity to my agents, basically. Which is funny, because Sue and I were the ones that lived in the fancy house in the right part of town. We're the ones driving the new Cadillacs. I'm the guy with the mahogany desk and the custom-made suits and... I'm the guy in the real estate office that's got 60 agents. And this guy drives up in the ugliest Opal I ever saw. A little curl of smoke coming out the back and dashboard, it all crinkled up, you know, from the sun. I'd know he was a holy man because I could see the holes in his shoes as he walked away from me. <laughs> Wearing a shiny, I call him shiny bottom suit that you got it from the Goodwill store or something. Nothing wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying. But I hired him. To teach my agents prosperity. 
After he left, Sue, I told Sue what I did. I said, you see that fella? She said, the one driving that ugly car, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, I hired him to teach Zig Ziglar's course to our agents. Now, here it comes. She said, why did you do that? I said, I still remember it today. I said, he's got something that I need. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to find out. He, I said, there's something about his eyes. He has something that I need. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to find out. See, that's presence. What he had was Christ inside of him. And when those eyes, I know it was Michael's eyes, but there's also the love of God. Somehow coming through. And I, there was a presence. Now, I didn't fall down on the floor and flop like a chicken. Probably should have. But there was a presence. See. That presence, this revival that's coming, we're going to carry his presence. Like that and much, much more. Well, if you haven't found Second Corinthians 5.21 by now, look it up later. And we're talking about why didn't God put a lamb? Why didn't he tell Moses to make a lamb and put it on that pole? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm going to read it just like it is in the King James, but first. For he hath made him, and that's Jesus. He, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But now if you'll notice, the words to be are in italics. I know they were trying to help us, but it didn't help us. Because we keep thinking that he is the lamb. And he is, don't get me wrong. But something happened to the lamb. Let me ask you this. Type in shadows. In Pharaoh's court, when they had to, when the instruction was to throw down Aaron's rod, let me ask you, did it become a lamb? What did, what did it become? It became a serpent. So the magicians threw down their rods, and what did they become? Serpents. But the serpent from Aaron's rod swallowed up all the other ones. He was made sin. The lamb, and religion hates this, was made the serpent. Why do you think he said right before he died on that cross, I watched it again, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Because his spirit was going from life to death. He, say it, just say it like it is in the King, he was made, no, he hath made him sin. Say it with me. He hath made him sin. He who never, that's why he could be the lamb. Because he himself never committed a single sin. I can't imagine. Well, I can only imagine. <laughs> the child never disobeying its mother. I can't imagine a, a, a child never saying a single lie. But he didn't. But he who knew no sin was made sin. Now, we're going somewhere with this. This is Resurrection Sunday. 
thing. I wrote it like this, and I get letters every time I say it, and I don't care. I've got a good round file for those. Nice file cabinet. Right by my desk, it's round. They go in there real easy. See, the staff did not remain a staff among serpents. It, it became the serpent that swallowed up all the other ones. He became dead like us. He had to commend his spirit unto God because he gave up the power right there to raise himself. He said earlier, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. But if you look up that word power, it's not dunamis. It's exousia. I have authority. You know where he got that authority? From the Psalms when God said, I will not leave your soul in hell. Neither will your flesh see corruption. That means for the Jew, he had to be raised before the fourth day. Remember what they said about Lazarus on the fourth day? By now he stinketh. To the Jewish mind, you have to be raised before the fourth day. Or your flesh will see corruption. God, it all fits like a glove, you know. The scriptures, when you stay with the word of God. He became dead like us. Now that's why we're going to look at these verses today. That he is literally called the firstborn from the dead. It does not, now many places you'll read in the New Testament that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's true, he did raise him from the dead. But he's most certainly not the first one raised from the dead. He had already raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm not getting enough amens. He's, he's already raised Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> Thank you, that's better. <laughs> Elijah had raised him from the dead in the Old Testament. Jesus had raised Jairus' daughter, if I remember correctly, from the dead. He was raised from the dead, but he is the first born from the dead. Go to Colossians. I started to write these lessons this morning and the Lord says you've already got them written. So I just he gave me the titles and I pulled them up and printed them, so that makes it quicker. Colossians 1.18, look at this. He is the head of the body, Jesus. He is the head of the body. We don't have a problem there, the church. Who is the beginning, now notice, the first... Does it say born in your Bible? I looked it up to make sure that it's not, like maybe it's a mistranslation. That same exact word is used when... Mary gave birth to Jesus. He was her firstborn. Same word exactly. Well, Jesus is not the first raised from the dead. But he is the first born from the dead. Now, how can you be born from the dead if you are not dead? It always gets quiet. See, see, well, God can't die. No, God cannot. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, could. Said he was made a little lower than the angels for the very purpose of death. That's why he said on the cross, into your hands, Father, I'm, I'm commending my spirit. Now listen, the man, Jesus Christ, the human part of him, the, the man, 
If God does not come, th- you talk about faith. This man, it, Jesus, he knows. He, he says, he said, for three days and nights, I must be in the heart of the earth. He knew where he was going. And if God does not come through on that promise, I will not leave your soul in hell, he will be there for all eternity. It's the greatest show of faith I've ever seen in my life. God, if you don't, you talk, talk about stick with the word. God, if you don't honor your word, I'll be in hell, the man. I'll be in hell for all eternity. But I am trusting you. I'm commending my spirit to you. I am trusting you. You said you will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will my flesh see corruption. That's why he already knew and said ahead of time in three days. I'm going to raise up this temple. Glory to God. I'm about to have a running fit. The word is so rich. He is the, I didn't even finish. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Let's see it one, let's see it another place. In fact, we're going to read, go to Revelations chapter 1 verse 5. Sue was preaching Revelations 1 to me on the way here, not knowing I already had it in my <laughs> printed out on the page. But that's always good to have a witness from, the, from your beloved. Now the verse I'm after, we'll read it first, but then we're going to back up just a little. Now the subject here is first begotten. This one is even more explicit than the first one. that we Colossians 1.18. Revelations 1.5. And from Jesus Christ... Who is the faithful witness. Now notice. And the first. Notice it's first begotten. See before he was the only begotten. For 30 some odd years up until the resurrection. He was the only human on planet earth. That had the very life of God on the inside of him. At that moment. If you'll allow me. His candle was the only candle lit with the life of God. All the rest of us, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, but everybody else's candle was not lit. And at that time, for sure, he is the only begotten. He is the only begotten. But we're going to come to a verse in a minute that said, He is the firstborn of many brethren. He's not the only begotten now. But here we're plainly told, The first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The serpent on the pole. It was good for me to watch that again. You, you, you tend to forget the price. All I could, and every time I watch it, I'm a little more mature in my understanding of the last time. And this time I was going, God put him there. He is suffering what I deserve. The only reason he's doing it is because he loves me. I have to behold the serpent on the pole. I have to look. Listen, it's as Moses lifted up. The serpent. What was required? What was required? Look and live. Look and live. 
To look. If you behold Him, that is believing. If you'll receive it as truth. When you watch the movie, you'll see the, none of the people there, the ones mocking Him and telling Him, if you are the Son of God, come down off of there. The only one that believed that, I, that we have record of was he, one of the thieves, not both of them. One didn't believe and one did. And he had no chance to repent, really. He had no chance to straighten up his life. But he said to Jesus, he said, I deserve to be here, you don't. All I ask is one thing. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. (laughs) He looked and he believed. And he's been with Jesus ever since. Sometimes I have to go look again. It's good for me to look again. Even if it's Matthew, Mark, just look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I thank God, I do thank God that the movie was made. I'm supposed to read you this vision that I had quite a few years ago. And I love the cross. Even as I read, I hesitate because I love that old song. I love the old rugged cross. And I cling to that old rugged cross. And I'm still going to cling to it even as I read you this vision. But he had to shake me. See, if we stay at the cross, we're just... And I don't see the word... I hate to even use that word just, but we're forgiven sinners. And that's great. I mean, that's wonderful to be forgiven. But He had something so much more for us than just being forgiven sinners. He did not want to leave us as old sinners saved by grace. And if you cling to the cross and just stay there, that's the mindset you'll have. You'll you'll live, but you'll live forgiven, but not really changed. So, here's the vision that he gave me years ago. While in prayer this morning, I had a little vision. In the vision, I was clinging to the old rugged cross, just like it says in the familiar hymn. In the vision, I was seated on the ground at the foot of the cross, leaning with my arms wrapped around it tight and crying like I was heartbroken. I really wasn't looking up to see Jesus. I was just clinging and crying at the foot of the cross. Suddenly, the shape of the upright beam I was clinging to changed to the shape of a staff. And before I could let go of it, the staff changed into a living serpent right in my arms. I no longer wanted to cling to it. (laughs) I wanted to run from it. And without realizing it, I have been clinging to the place where he became sin, sickness, and poverty. I don't want to go through life clinging to the serpent. I want to go through life walking 
in the power of the resurrection. It is true I must identify with his death on the cross. But I, myself, do not live at the cross. That is the place for my flesh. Did you get that? Now, my flesh belongs there how often? Daily. That's where my flesh belongs. And it's got to, I've got to keep it on the cross. But I myself? See, I, the old man, Gary, the old man, was buried with him. And that is over for my spirit man. That is the past. But now, I live in the resurrection life I received from him when I was born again. Now see, that's Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. Stay with the word. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Then, or that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now see, this was Paul's prayer. I want to know him. I count everything but done for this one thing I press toward. I want to know Him. I want to, I want to share in the sufferings that He suffered. I want to, I want to walk in this resurrection life. I want to know Him. See, there's the call to intimacy right there. Come away with me, my beloved, over and over in the prophecies He has said to us. Come away with me. I have things to show you. There's so much about this resurrected life that we don't understand yet. See, and here's the part. Now we're coming to the part Sue was preaching. Hallelujah. Go back to Revelations 1.5, and I'm going to back up a little bit. And, uh, we'll start in verse 4. See, because you've got to understand who Christ is in you. What is this resurrection life? I don't want to spend my life identifying with the serpent. My flesh, that's where my flesh belongs. I want to identify my life with the resurrected Christ. Isn't that right? Well, let's see what he looks like now. See, I saw what he looked like. I watched the movie again this morning. I saw what he looked like on the cross. Boy, it's bad. And it's worse than what they said. But it's bad enough. Let's see what he looks like now. So starting in verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia and in Tulsa. Oh. All the churches everywhere. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, now here it is, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests. Does he want you thinking you're a serpent? He's made us kings and priests. He's resurrected us to new life. 
To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice, as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamos, and Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now notice it. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now this is John. If anybody knew Jesus, it's John. John would say of himself, I'm the apostle that Jesus loved. I always, always wondered what the eleven thought about that. I know he likes you, but I'm the one that he loves. <laughs> I would think about John laying on the breast of Jesus. Hearing the heartbeat of God. God, God in the flesh. If it, well, the point is, if anybody, if anybody on planet earth knew Jesus, and besides John, he's an old man here now, all the others have been killed except him. They tried to martyr him. History says they boiled him in oil once, that'll usually get it done. Not for John. If anybody knows Jesus, it's John. But see, John had never seen Jesus as he is now. Now he's seen him. And when he saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now when I read that this time, see, I only have tasted in a tiny measure. I told you about that occurrence that had when I was at LaRue's church many years ago. And his presence, probably in a very small measure, came to me, but it was more than I could bear. I couldn't stand up. I was like a drunk man. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything. Two men had to hold me up, and another one had to lay my hand on people, but they got healed. Red gave his testimony. He had a knee injury or some kind of knee problem. He came during that. He took my hand, put it on his knee, and got healed. And I had a tiny, tiny little measure. And I thought about this this time.
See, when G, even when John, who knew Jesus probably more than any human on planet Earth, when he saw Jesus as he is now, when he, can I say it this way, when he was in his presence, he fell as one dead. But now notice, but he, Jesus, laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was what? I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. That means he's never going to have to go to the cross again. Their price has been paid. It is finished. The devil thought he had won. He didn't know it was the, the complete defeat of him and his kingdom for all time. And the, yes sir, again I'm still following as I, because right now I saw the 120 in the upper room. See, at the end of this movie, right when, right when he dies and gives up the ghost, they had a, a person playing Satan that would show up every now and then. This, you could just tell it's Satan. And that, devil screamed and just rejoiced we've got him off the earth we did it we've defeated the son of God you know he wasn't saying these words but you could just tell the joy was there and I'm sure he did think he won until three days later (laughs) because this is resurrection Sunday This is the day he rose up and he took the keys to death and hell and the grave. And he has risen and he's gone all the way to glorification now. And this is who he is now. And Satan was so glad to get one off the earth. But on the day of Pentecost. Oh no. Oh no. There's a hundred and twenty all filled with the same Christ. And those hundred and twenty... During the next hundred years, Christianity, right in the face of every kind of evil government, right in the face of every kind of persecution, right in the face of every every bad thing you can think of, Christianity spread like wildfire. And it's about to do it again. They did it without, I'm not against any of these things, but they did it without church buildings, without hymnals. Without parking lots, without choir robes, without minister robes, without any... They didn't even have a written Bible for crying out loud. What did they have? Presents! They had the living Christ, this one, on the inside. And He's unstoppable in you. His presence. This is Joel's army. His presence. Each, I declare... All of you are Michael Muccio's. <laughs> and what I mean by that, you're carriers of the presence. We've been infected with a virus. His name is Jesus. He's very contagious. He's very deadly to sin. Oh, we've got a vi- We're carriers, all right. <laughs> and there is no vaccination you can get that'll save you from him. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming and we're carriers. We're carriers. Of Christ. Hallelujah. 
Now that's why he keeps saying, it's right along with Alan's message, what the Lord's been saying to us for over a year, come away with me. If we haven't figured it out by now, every program that can be programmed has been programmed. What I mean is everything from midnight basketball to anything you can name. And I'm not against anything that helps people. But we can't abandon one for the other. When he says, come away with me, he means come away with me. He wants to, this Christ, this one, who's going to resist him? I'm telling you, it's going to come to the point when you walk in a room, people are going to act. They may fall down as dead. The power may be so, I don't know what's going to happen. It's what I keep warning, you know, you that are watching, it's going to get stranger than this. In a good way. But we're going to stick with the word. We're not going off on the left. We're not going off on the right. Thank God for Pastor Dave Roberson that taught us how to be in contact with the teacher who brings us the true revelation of the word of God. And we're going to walk right now in the middle. We're coming into the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Smith Wigglesworth saw it before he died. He saw it in vision. But we're going to see it in the flesh. We, are the, us young ones, are going to see it in the flesh. Because I mean it's here. I never was more excited to be alive. What a time to be alive. What an honor to be able to contend with the flesh and religion and politics and everything that's going on. What a privilege to pursue Him with everything that's in us. That God's revival, His great harvest machine can be manifested in these last days. And a minimum of a billion souls are about to be won into the kingdom of God. And you have a part to play in it. Glory to God. The church is open for prayer Wednesday noon. Till 8.30. Friday, noon to 8.30. Saturday morning, 7 o'clock to noon. Now, did you know you're allowed to pray at other times also? Say, well, I don't need to come there and pray. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. There is something of an exponential increase when we join together. I'm going to be teaching on that soon. I'm calling you into even deeper waters, says the Lord. Those of you, many that are hearing this message, are the very ones that have come out, gone out beyond the ankle-deep level and the knee-deep level of my waters. And some of you are you are actually at hip-deep now, and, and you can feel the current. You can feel the move of my spirit. You're beginning to feel the, the urging and the nudgings of what I've really called you to do. Yet your feet still, your tippy-toes are still touching the bottom. And at this moment, you still have control. But I am asking you, says the Lord, come deeper. Come deeper. Come all the way where you give up the control. And you are swept away by the current of my Holy Spirit. And He will take you where I have called you. And I will manifest myself through you, says the Lord. Come even deeper, says your Lord. Let your 
tippy toes. Leave the bottom. Trust me to have my way with you. Trust me to take you right to the center of my Father's will. You'll be so glad for all eternity that you let me do it, says the Lord. If you're listening to this and you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day. Listen, we're coming into the end of the end times. This is no time to, to mess around. You can know that you know that you know that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven. Jesus, these exact words, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever trusts in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You've heard the gospel today. Jesus is the son of God. He came for the express purpose to die in your place, to take the penalty that you and I, we all deserve for sin. He took it upon himself. And he died a horrible death because he loves you. To forgive you, but also he's going to come on the inside of you and empower you to live above sin. He not only forgives, he cleanses and he restores and he makes new. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for these that are listening today. Father, I thank you for your spirit drawing them right now. Listen, say this prayer after us. We're going to say it with you. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died in my place. You paid the penalty for the sin that I committed. Father, I thank you for forgiving me. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I I believe that you did raise him from the dead. And you did it because the price had been fully paid. That means I've been forgiven. Now I'm asking you, Lord, come into my heart. I open my heart to you, Jesus. Come into me and make me a new person. Live on the inside of me, Lord. And from this day forward, you are my Lord. Whatever you say, that's what I do. Thank you, Lord. I know I'm saved now. Because your word says... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've called upon you, Lord, and I am saved and I know it. Now, Lord, I'm asking, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing. And I expect to speak with other tongues as he gives me the utterance. Thank you, Lord, for baptizing me in the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I believe that's the message for today. Listen. Jesus, He is the second man, the last Adam. What do you mean He's the last Adam? He is creating a new species that did not exist before. Now, He's got a bride. Like Adam, like the first Adam had a bride. But Jesus' bride is the church. And we work together with our husband.
to produce offspring. But these offspring, each and every one of them, come from that dead species of Adam. He is going to populate heaven with dead people made alive again. (laughs) That's us. He is the firstborn. I didn't get to the verse. He is the firstborn of many brethren. Hallelujah. Look it up. Good homework assignment. (laughs) Say it with me. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He was the first born from the dead. But I've also been born from the dead. That same Christ that I see in Revelation lives in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.